it's time for school days. Hope for moms and dads of school-aged kids. I tell parents, you're like a training wheel on a bike. Your job isn't to make the bike move. Your job is to keep the bike upright. Those of us who are the true educators, we really want to be given the opportunity to educate the whole child. Sometimes we make decisions with our kids on how we think our kids are going to feel in the first 10 minutes versus thinking about 10 months or 10 years. Oftentimes, as parents, I think we want to protect our kids, but I think one of the greatest gifts we can give them is allowing them to experience that person. Yeah. Here are your hosts. David and Danita Bailey. Good evening and welcome to School Days. Help for moms and dads of school age kids. I'm Danita Bailey. And I'm David Bailey. While programming is offered in a small number of traditional schools in the U.S., a 2015 Gallup poll indicates that 90% of parents would like computer programming to be taught during the school day. Coding can improve problem-solving skills, foster a growth mindset, and develop creativity and confidence. Coding, many say, is basic literacy in the digital age and essential, essential for students to learn in order to be competitive in the future. So I wanted to do this show because coding is such a buzzword that I hear all the time. And honestly, I really didn't know you know, I knew what coding was, but I really didn't know what kids were doing with it today. So our kids play Minecraft and Minecraft education. And uh, we've come to discover that there's actually a coding component to it. So did you realize that? Uh, I did, but I don't really know a whole lot about it. Um, I know they, my, our kids front like they're doing Minecraft, you know, air quotes, education, but they're really just playing Minecraft. <laughs> they're and not I, getting educated no, in not, any way. no. Are any of your students in coding or over the years, have they been interested in coding that you've heard? I know that we offer a technology class uh -huh. um, at our school. I don't know a whole lot about it. Um, I'm sure there is a coding component to it, but it's not like an entire class. They learn a whole bunch of things and how to use apps and uh, some basic programming, things like that. But, um, you know, I remember when I was growing up, we, we had computer programming. We had basic Yes, I think that's what I did, too. Tell me a little bit about that. You're going to have to refresh my memory. I can't tell you anything. Okay, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I just remember we did basic, and then in high school, I took Pascal. That was another uh, class that I took. Um, and, uh, you know, I just remember it was a lot of problem solving and how to work through, but I can't tell you any of the intricacies of it, but I just remember doing it. Um, you know, but then... You know, now it's it's a thing. It's almost like if you're not coding, then you're not you, cool. Right. Well, I don't know about that. It, I, mean, I, I don't know <laughs> if it's coding is cool. Uh, but coding seems very cool. It seems pop. It seems it's a big push. Um, you mean an education I, or um, my parents? I don't hear a lot by parents a whole lot, but um, I know that it's you know, a wave of the future and, uh, well, you know, and of the past, but it's like there's a much greater emphasis on it now than it was when, you know, when I was growing up mm -hmm. back in the eighties. <laughs> yeah. And I, I know I'm, I'm dating myself, but Hey, we're parents. This is, I have gray on my goatee. This is where, where we're at. <laughs> hey, can't go back. So, but you know, it, it's, it's, uh, exciting to see an interest in it and looking to see you know where this goes and and uh if you know our kids are not getting into technology or you know our students um our, our society is going to become more and more advanced 
and a lot of jobs you know are, that are you know currently in place weren't in place 10 20 30 years ago mm-hmm. and some of the jobs that are in place now are are quickly uh, going away and especially with you know covid industries and jobs and crisis some of them just are not coming back and if people are not getting connected to what is available and what opportunities there are then uh, some people are going to get left behind what do you think about people who say that this is a language that everybody should learn can't hurt you know i mean well i mean in the fact that like uh, i'm saying like for me it wasn't my cup of tea but i'm glad i i learned it more dos i feel like i was doing something with dos it's like slowly coming back to me i'm gonna have to ask some of these experts yes that we have on yeah because i have no idea what i'm talking about here. yeah i know and i can tell that so we should (laughs) both of us no not just you yeah our our banter today is much longer on something i have no idea what i'm talking about so let's get to the experts please (laughs) absolutely i don't know what i'm talking help help, y'all help experts please help us i don't know what's going on help okay well before we go any further let me just say that it does take a village If you hear a great parenting tip or nugget of advice, share it with your parent friends. Facebook it, Instagram it, tweet it, link it in and add the hashtag school days show or a hashtag I am school days. And also we want you to be a part of the show. So if you have any questions or comments, give us a call at 214-444-5575. Or if you're live with us here on Facebook, we are happy that you're here and we would love to hear from you. So you can drop us a question there in the chat and we'll do our very best to get to you. Um, So today, our guests are developing budding coders in different ways. So let's hear from each of you guys. If you could tell us a little bit about your background. We're going to start with you, Dr. G. Well, hello, and thank you for having me. I'm Dr. Tanja Grimble, and I am the Association's Senior Director of Team Programs for the YMCA here in Metropolitan Dallas. Um, I operate all team programmings, including STEM programming, and um, integrating STEM in everything that we do is one of my um, excitements and joy in life. So um, I'm excited to be here today. Thank you. All right. Dr. G. Like that, this just flows off the tongue like that <laughs> and uh uh dr payton dr mary payton you are you're a friend of the show you've been on quite a few times before so uh, tell us a little bit about yourself i'm dr mary payton i am the host of the all about stem radio show i am a longtime stem educator by way of teaching biology chemistry physics and coding uh and robotics and um I am just excited about being here and I'm excited about the things that we're having our young people do in coding. All right. And um, Daryl Hughes. Hmm. Hello, everyone. A pleasure to be here today. Uh, my name is Daryl Hughes, CEO and co-founder of Hughes Who Technology Studio with my wife, Edie Deloach Hughes. Uh, Hughes Who Technology Studio is a not-for-profit dedicated to leveling the playing field for Black and Hispanic students. Uh, We are only 3% in the gaming business, and we are like 75% of the consumer market. Mm -hmm. Uh, So through our workshops and our boot camps and apprenticeship program, uh, we introduce underserved uh, uh, students and young adults to game design, game producing, game programming, game arts, and even entrepreneurship uh, so that they can pursue these careers in the interactive media. Uh, our model is don't just play the game, get in the game. Uh, just a quick personal note, I've been in the gaming industry for 30 years, have over 10 game patents. Uh, I've been uh, 
post-secondary educator for 25 years, recently with DePaul University and just finished through uh, designing and creating a game development program for Kennedy King College here in Chicago. A pleasure to be here. Thank you. All right. Well, we feel like we are in really good hands with you guys. And so let's just go ahead and get started. I'd love to know what the difference between coding, programming, and designing is. Anybody just go ahead and jump in. Uh, I'm going to join in because uh, one of the things that we focus on is STEAM, which is uh, adding art to STEM. Uh, so what designing is more of the creative side of creating the game ideas and coming up with the concepts, coming up with the art, coming up with all the elements that you see in a game. And then programming is where you actually code it so that people, kids can be able to play the game. Anybody else want to chime in? No, he did a great job. Um, you know, coding is is basically a language um, that is you know laid out um, in in various sequences. And so, when you go to program it, then that's where you're really kind of executing the instruction part of it. Um, so it it just really um, goes really well together. However, the designer is really the visual. I mean, they they actually bring the whole program to life. So if you have that combination of a programmer and a designer together, man, you can you can do a lot of great things. Yeah. So David and I were wondering uh, in the intro there is is coding a language that you guys feel like everybody should learn. You may be a little biased, <laughs> but make your case. Uh, I think it's something that uh, all students should experience. Um, I think uh, that's why we have, we teach all through our program, we teach all the different disciplines so that a kid can pick out what they want to do. So uh, I think it's good. I took programming like uh, uh, you guys, I had visual basic and I took visual basic so that I can understand the process that my programmers went through when we work in our game so I can understand their job. So I think it's good uh, to try all of these different disciplines, but yeah, I think they should dab in it just to see if they like it or not. Mm -hmm. Okay, so for if you were to uh, explain this for dummies like, <laughs> like like myself here, would coding be like the frame of the house? Programming would be the plumbing and uh, the the you know the electricity and the wiring and all the insulation. And then the design would be the outer frame of it. With that, I, I, I don't, I don't know what y'all talking about. <laughs> coding is the what we need coding for dummies coding, in this episode. So coding, yeah, because coding <laughs> is not programming. Okay, right? I would say yeah, the game designer is the architect. Okay, gotcha. He designs what this is gonna look like. He puts where everything needs to go, and what needs to be there, and what needs to not be there and then we hand it off to the programmer who becomes the builder i, I look at it in the terms of that way so and then what does the coder do are they one and the same no no they're not one and the same um you know a coder a coder is really using a skill okay so it's not actually it's not like there's a you're you're a coder job you're actually using coding as a skill to build a program, right? So then the, the programmer is the person that's just gonna lay out the instruction part of it. So it's the person that gives commands and you know makes makes the, the program function. And your designer just 
overall gives that vision. So they're not one and the same. All of them are very different. Gotcha. All right. What age is appropriate? Don't you laugh at me, Dr. G. I see you <laughs> laughing at me. This is ignorant chump. Don't. Okay, we're just gonna we're gonna that's why that's why we have you on the show. Yes, we are for sure not the experts. Oh no. No. Mm-mm. So can you guys tell me what age is appropriate to start coding? Let me jump in with that. Um, you know, I've worked with kids, you know, as young as five, uh, doing little simple things, uh, either using technology or or using non-technology-based coding. But uh, for me, kids who really get it and understand what they're doing really starts about age seven. And I've seen students at age seven do scratch and stuff like that. But when to get that real understanding around age 14, then they can kind of take the skill that they learned in one thing and apply it to the other. Like you said earlier, when you talked about uh, your, your, your own kids coding with Minecraft, but they got that concept of putting these things together and building these concepts from probably, because I know your kids have worked with Scratch before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it just, it just depends. Because you're teaching the kids a skill of how to process information. Are there things that you can do like without devices for kids that are a little bit younger that can kind of teach them uh, the the skills and the things that they need to be strong at or understand um, in order to start coding when they get a little older? Uh, there's a uh, software out there called Osmos. You can get it at yes. Walmart and it's a... Uh, it goes with the iPad and you can, uh, it's physical toys that looks like coding blocks. So it works with their iPad and physically they can move these little coding blocks watching the iPad. So those are the things for the younger kids to start thinking about coding and creative thinking, that type of thing. So, And because I work in early childhood, some of the things you can do without devices would include just building a lot of their cognitive skills um, so that they can learn how to do logic and reasoning um, you know, problem solving, you know, that knowledge building kind of a, um, you know, concept. Uh, a lot of the times when you go into a preschool room, you'll have kids sitting and, you know, and you'll hear a teacher say, hey, you guys need to cooperate. You know, y'all need to work together. Well, a lot of coding and, you know, programs that you do within STEM and engineering, any of that requires that type of cooperation. And so if they're learning that at an early age, it makes it a lot easier for them to share ideas and try new things and be engaging in that way. So these are the ways that you can really kind of help them kind of get ready for that process. So answer my my uh, my big question, which is, what in the world are the kids doing with coding today? Like if, if I hear my my friend who I, my best friend does say that her kids love to code and I've really never asked, what does that mean? What does it mean when people say, oh, my kids are so into coding? What are they doing? <laughs> uh, a lot of the kids we work with, we do mostly games, but I know that a lot of students are working with Python to do web development and using that. Uh, but we use uh, just like Scratch uh, code, dot uh, org programs, uh, a lot of block coding. Uh, with our Unity program that we're working with, we've got two students in there who are 11 and 12. And 
Unity is based off of C Sharp. So uh, those are the two main codes that we usually work with uh, with teaching gaming. So, but I know that they use a lot of Python to teach uh, web design work with that. So. Okay, so they're web designing. You said a whole lot of things that we don't yet understand, like Python and C Sharp and things like that, which we'll ask you about in a second. The snake? But what'd you say? The snake? Did he say the snake? Python. Oh, the Python. Okay. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> right. you, have, you have to help us. <laughs> right. But what else? What else can you do with game or with uh, coding? Uh, some of my kids, I mean, in the past, have uh, did coding with robotics. Uh, you know, writing what they want the robots to do, uh, what uh, actions they want them to take. Uh, also, uh, I'm working with kids with uh, doing coding with animation, mm -hmm. uh, with uh, language arts. You know, they write a story and then they can code that story and make it into like a little video uh with animations and stuff so i've done it on the engineering side with robotics and now on the uh, language art side with uh animation okay and what else both of those are block coding block coding and we'll get to that yeah. in a second because you you really are talking to some people who just y'all are in it and so it's almost like talking to somebody that you know works at a hospital y'all are giving us all this lingo and we had we're like okay i don't can you talk to me like i'm a two-year-old <laughs> so we're gonna ask a lot you of know, questions here just as a um just as a way to just really kind of bring this in a in a you know in a vision where you can kind of really understand it why do coding or why kids would do coding it just really builds their confidence Mm -hmm. um, you know, when you can create something and watch it just, you know, develop right there in front of you, because it's, it's a lot of inputting and outputting, right? Mm -hmm. um, that builds their confidence into that innovation and that creativity mode that really just sets them up for success going forward. They're going to try new things. They're going to be a little bit more bold and daring. Their presentation skills become better. They're, they become better communicators. Um, so that's why you would want to do it, um, just so you can allow them to have that, that opportunity to just be able to create and be free with their creation. So um, that's what I would say as a general, like a little nugget to, to think about as a parent, like you, you build on them that confidence that they can do anything they set their mind to and have the freedom to do it. Right. I and also, to, oh, I, go ahead, Daryl. I have to agree with Dr. G on that. Uh, when I was taking Visual Basic, I had the opportunity to build this little calculator and I struggled through some of that code and stuff. But once I figured it out and I saw my calculator work, it was like, man, this is the greatest thing, you know, so. So I understand what she's talking about. You feel that accomplishment from doing that. And what I was going to say is that it builds grit. That's something that, you know, kids really need is that ability to have something go wrong, but get up and, and continue on. And I know that um, co coding requires that a lot because you have those, you have to problem solve and figure out why something isn't working. And yes, I want to caveat off what both of them said. What I love about coding is, it doesn't, it, it doesn't stop, okay? Being in science, you know, teaching the sciences, you do a lab, you, uh, once the lab is over, it's done. You walk away. You don't even think about it again. When I work with kids with coding, they want to, can I try this? Can I do more? Can I, can I step out a little bit more? Uh, you know, I, when we build robots, I have them to co um, 
code the robots to do a dance. And each robot they build is different, but they've got to synchronize these robots. So working together, that teamwork, and they always want to do more and try something different. There's no stop with coding. So. All right. I I heard one nugget that I could kind of latch on to. I heard input and output. I, <laughs> I can I can relate to that in math. Uh, with uh, you know, in primary schools they have the input output robots, and you put in a number and gets an output of an answer there. Um, so is coding only for students who are good in mathematics? Like, do you have to have like a left brain? Um, mentality to be good in coding or is it for everyone? I want to jump in on that one because it's not, you don't have to be this mathematician to be able to do coding. Coding is really um, about uh, patience. Um, you know, like it, it really is. It's, it's about patience and, and just an interest, right? You know, um, you don't have to be good at one different different thing, but you really have to be good at patience. Okay, so that's the the one area because there's so many steps, there's so many layers. There's sometimes a lot of failure before you get to a lot of success, and they're going to experience that. And it's going to go in ebb and flows, like up and down waves, right? Um, but I feel like you need to be a really good social person in hmm. where you can be able to share your ideas with others and listen to them and let them give you ideas because what you could be struggling with, somebody next to you could probably figure it out in a couple of minutes. So there really needs to be this kind of social interaction. Doing it by yourself is not always fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so it so I I look at it as you don't have to be good at a particular subject. You just have to have good patience mm-hmm. that's where where i would go with it so how do you how does that work now in the instant gratification era of the internet and with everything being so 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 quick you know i always tell my students um because they like they, they want to um just pick the letter and move on and and <laughs> so what i do is i'll i'll give them the letter and i'll say i'm not grading the answer i'm grading the process is I tell them that the process is more important than the answer. Um, and they hate that because then they have to actually think and process and justify their answers and stuff. Uh, but it's a challenge for them. So how, how in this era of kids, everything's click, click, click and hit this and then you're done. Um, how, do, how do we help kids who may not naturally be patient or because of you know, just the nature of how um, you know, our technology today is so instant um, how how do you guys help students to become patient um, in in instant gratification era? Um, so one of the things we do, especially with Scratch, is really good is that they have tutorials, so that the students can go through the tutorial and it shows them step by step how to build this game, and they can follow you know stop the video, look at what they did, and then move forward and forward. And once they have the game built. They can pl- actually play the game. So what I tell them to do is once they finish building the game, why don't you just now make it your own? Take out some of these images they have, these sprites, put some new sprites in here and make your own game. And another thing that we have uh, when we have a, like we have in our Unity workshop going on right now is that I have my programmer working with the students and he goes step by step. He's very patient. It goes back to that patience. They very, he's very patient with the students and also uh, is that we 
allow the parents to be involved with our students working with these projects so that they know what their students is working on and, and helping them. So, yeah, I think a lot of these programs do have step-by-step -step that makes it easy for them to build the game and then go back and do what they call a remix and make the game there. So, What careers can utilize coding? If I uh, want to encourage my child to get into coding, what can I say? This is something that you could do in the future. Be, can I answer something before I an say something before we go into answering that question? Sure. You know, we had this discussion, we've had this discussion before, and you're talking about jobs in the future. I, I have had my own students who have in school being paid for writing cheat codes for various computer games. When I was in the UAE, uh, in Dubai, I had one of my kids um, in my chemistry class, wouldn't say a word, but he would be over just working, working, working. The kid was making well over $100,000 a year in coding. I mean, in writing cheat codes. And then I had an eighth grader in my science class. He was featured in the newspaper as making, you know, close to $90,000 a year writing cheat code. And uh, the child cannot take a write a note to save his life. So it doesn't mean they have to wait till they're they've gone to college to learn coding. Uh, a lot of these young men and women are learning coding now and doing something with it. I have to go back to what uh, Daryl said. You know, uh, don't just play the game build the game mm -hmm. or design the game or I can't remember what you said, Daryl. I'm in, in the my game. sixties and you know get in the game. Is probably sitting in. Get in the game. That's it. I love it. <laughs> so that's what I tell my kids all the time. You're playing these games. I need to know how these games work. So, you know, you don't it there are jobs in the future, but there are jobs right now that some of our kids are already doing. Now Mary, you're gonna have to tell us what a cheat code is. What's a cheat code? Uh, Daryl could probably explain it better, but it's, it depends. Well, I'm going to let Daryl explain it because I don't want to mess it up. No, it's just uh, where they go into these games and they find uh, code to write to help cheat the game. So uh, a lot of times to write the game so that you can have God mode or some type of uh, cheat to get past what they have in, uh, built into the game. These guys go in and write these different codes to do that. So um, it, it's, like she said, it can be lucrative if you can sell it to people and people are willing to buy it. So, Not that I want to get into the details of that, but how do you even hack into a game and get into like the back end of a game? I wouldn't, you know, I feel like DJ could probably do that, though. <laughs> DJ is pretty crafty. Uh, there's a lot of ways out there to teach you how to break into code and different things. And so there's a lot of tutorials out there. So the Internet is full of information if you want it. So hmm. you just type it in. You can find it. That's amazing. You know, as you were bringing that up, I was thinking about, I was watching, um, it's a series on Netflix about the history of gaming. And it talked about uh, two guys, uh, they had brought uh, video games into their college rooms. I think they were at MIT or Harvard or one of those schools. And um, the, the, the games um, were, they, they brought them in and they would uh people put in their quarters and they're making a killing uh but then the players got better 
at the games. And so the turnover was uh, not as quick. So they're making less money. So what they did was they opened up the arcade units remember the old arcade systems and they went on the back end of it and made them harder. So they had to die quicker. (laughs) (laughs) And then if you die quicker, then um, they have to put more quarters in to keep playing. And then that's how they kind of drew them in. And, um, and so, uh, eventually, I think the the original company, I'm not sure which one it was, but they ended up suing these guys. It, it, it was it, it was either, no, no, it was either one way or the other, but anyway, but the point is that they were able to go on the back end and manipulate the the game that they brought in, the whole unit, so that they could make it more profitable for themselves. And they're, they're making a killing doing it. It's not like there's money to be made, um, even even young. I'd love to know the difference between the different um, languages, because you mentioned earlier C plus plus or C square C C sharp. He said C sharp, and I know there's Java and Python. When how would you choose which language you want to learn? And then my other, my second point of that question is: Are any of these languages, or I know you can't predict the future, but is it possible that some of these could be obsolete? Um, and so is there a benefit in learning these languages now? You know, um, it, one of the things that um, is suggested is that when you're when you're younger and you're trying to learn coding is to start off with block coding um, because it's a little easier. Um, and it, it it really just systematically shows you where to put a command and it, it, it flows really well. Right. Um, and kids can actually feel um, a little bit more opted to do it if it's not, if it's easier in that visual context, right? So that's the visual, you know, block. Um, that's like scratch, coding. right? Yeah, yeah. And so then what's really great about some of these programs like code.org, you can actually do your block coding and then change it to Java code. And so now they can see it in a JavaScript and, and see it both ways. So you can flip flop it back and forth so you can see what it looks like in that, in that format. Mm-hmm. Um, so that gives you an idea. But the, more, the better you get at, the block code as you start to get older and you get a little you want to do a little bit more in that area you can it'll be easier to transition into text um you know text coding right so um so it's really um it's really about taking them through the process because sometimes if you try to jump around and give them something a little bit harder they're going to lose interest they're going to get frustrated i mean anyone looking at that are going to be like what is this you right. know um so it's, it's re- it can be really hard to understand in that format so block coding is usually the best and suggested um you know way to start start them off and i even say adults love it <laughs> you know so that they can understand it too so um, it, it has its benefits, um, but that's where I would start. And as far as it being obsolete, I mean, um, I don't really see, I mean, right now, a lot of our program starts on C or C++. I mean, you know, and then you can build from there. Um, that's, that's every kind of coding is innovative to the actual person that's coding, right? Um, so I feel like there's not going to be a time when it's going to be that obsolete. I mean, I know engineers right now that are using that and they use it as the foundation and the building block to start any type of programming. So, you know, so you're going to see that around for a very long time. Um, It's just then it's how the person is actually designing their game from that point forward. Mm -hmm. So it's going to look unique for the programmer, the the actual coder. Mm -hmm. Um, So I I don't see it being obsolete. I just see it changing and evolving based on the person that's using it. 
so you know, I think you kind of answered uh, this, Doctor G. Uh, this is for everyone as you know as well. If you like to share, but uh, so why would if if the block based coding is just click and you know see the robot move the arm up and down and so that that seems I, I could do that, but why would someone go from that to this this black screen with some letters and numbers and and blinking lights and like my head starts spinning when I think of that like so why why would someone I know what and and I think to go deeper but what what's the appeal to go from the easy or block coding to the um text based yes text, coding yeah text based coding uh because that gives you more opportunities to make changes to customize like i said every game is not the same so your programmer has to go in there and write custom code so i might want to have a character jump off a building and hit a, a fire pit or something i have to write special code for that so so that gives you more flexibility to, to create new ideas and new uh different uh, designs and that type of thing. So it's got to be uh, customized. So it's like when you go buy a car, you get to customize it. So it's the same. You start off with the same basics of a car, but you have to change the code to fit all the different cars. So uh, that's basically why you want to do more into that coding. And it gives you more in-depth to make changes and build deeper games than what you can with just block coding. Yeah. And for me, it sounds like it's like the difference between um, like coding a website versus like going into Wix. I have a Wix website. So Wix has, you know, hundreds of templates and you go in and you augment the templates to make it look like what you want. But there's still limitations. You can't just do anything or at least it might, this might be user error, but I can't just do anything. But if you are able to go in the back end and code your website, you can make it do pretty much anything you want. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. And then also it depends on the programs you use. There are game engines like Unreal out there. Like I said, we use Unity, which use, uh, they base their game off of C Sharp or their game engine off C Sharp. I think Unreal, it may be C++. I never looked at the code for C, uh, Unreal. But different programs are used for different things. Different codes are used for different things. So they have, you know, I have Swift, which is a code that a lot of people don't know about, but it's used for doing banking information so there's multiple different types of code people use for different types of things out there so mm -hmm. so if you are wondering about signing your child up for a coding class and maybe mary this is more of a question for well it's actually a question for all of you what what can i expect my child to learn in maybe a basic coding class are they going to come away with actual skills to be able to maybe build a website or build a game or anything like that or is it does it depend it kind of depends it depends on what coding class they're taking because you know it's kind of like the conversations we've had oh my my child is in stem well what are they doing in stem but they in stem and they love it coding is just a general term that we're using, like having a Coca-Cola. I like a Coke. Okay, what flavor? Oh, a Sprite. But if the student is taking HTML, okay, what will they do with that code? They will more than likely come out with the ability to do websites. Uh, if they do Scratch, they'll be able to do block coding. If they are doing robotics with Lego Mindstorm, then they're going to be doing block coding to cause, uh, to create programs to cause 
objects to move. It just depends on what uh, what type of coding is being taught. Uh, as in with what Mr. Hughes is saying, uh, with gaming, what are they looking at? Uh, what type of code are they using to create those games? So it just depends on what they're learning in that class. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so one of our uh, things for our Unity class that's going on right now, at the end of two weeks, they will actually have built a game in Unity that's playable. Uh, they're doing a 2D platform at this time. The first uh, Unity session we had, they actually built a 3D real-time uh, fighting game. So most of our students were, we had one student who was 11. We had someone, other student that was 17. At the end, they were able to have a, at least two levels of gameplay uh, by the end of two weeks. So our goal is to always have something at the end of our 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 workshops or our apprenticeship programs. Okay. So that sounds really cool. Um, what kind of things should I be looking for, especially if I'm a, you know, a parent like myself, you're kind of ignorant of the whole coding scene. What should I be looking for when I look for a coding class? Uh, first thing I say, someone who has patience, my program is a very patient person and working with the students. And then the second thing, just being honest here, uh, make sure you go into an organization because they already have a, a certain perception of black children already that we're not smart and that kind of thing. So if a child is struggling, they feel that they're stupid and stuff. So no, you do not want your kid to go to those type of places. So be very careful about sending your kids to places where they already have a, a predetermined uh thoughts about what your kid is and that type of thing. So mm. just be careful about that. You know, I'd like to add to that. Um, girls uh, are, are sometimes in a um, an environment where it's overrun by masculinity that's in, you know, in the field. And if you have a girl that you want to get in coding, but that you don't, you, you don't want them to feel, you know, um, like they're the only ones, it, it would help if you get them as a group, you know, a partner or a pair and try to get them into those programs, go and try it out as a group, um, because they're going to most likely want to do it with their peers. Um, but girls are the le are very uh, underrepresented in these areas. And so uh, we really want to try to stress that, especially girls of color um, in this area, like they, they we really want to get them to into these fields. But um, if we could get them into an all girl group coding or, um, you know, or even just uh, have them go in pairs to go and see, that's what I would look for as a parent is, you know, not to limit our kids because we think it's all dominated by boys or males, right? Um, you know, really get the girls out there and, and let them go in pairs like they normally do. They're going to feel that way. I love that. That's so good. Um, and it's what, and I want to add to that just a little bit. Um, me being in the classroom, um, I also had to take into consideration and uh, doing it outside of the classroom, uh, kids with uh, disabilities or special needs, kids with ADHD, ADD, um, and other, um, you know, acronyms. A lot of people make the assumption that those kids cannot code because they don't have the patience. I have had those kids mm -hmm. a lot. And those kids, you know, you have to figure out what tools work for them. As Mr. Hughes said earlier, having uh, uh, programs where the kids can also have videos to where if they don't understand or don't or make a mistake, they can go back and look or having that patience with them 
my students with ADD and ADHD have done better work than some of my students that did not have those disabilities because they could focus on small parts and not have to focus on the whole big thing. Uh, you know, the piggyback on that, um, Dr. Mary, is, is the fact that, um, you know, most of these coding uh, games are, are stimulus, you know, they're, they're stimulus and children with ADHD and ADD, you know, crave a stimulus kind of an activity. It's got to be constantly giving them and feeding them energy, right? And mm -hmm. so when you look at coding or any type of thing, that's going to constantly keep their attention because it has the stimulus kind of a component to it that really draws them in and, and pulls them closer into the program. So yeah, I would not be surprised if they're your best students for, for that area because it does stimulate them to a level that they that they would normally not get if they were just sitting down reading a book. It's gotta have something with some high energy and coding has that. And so, just to say, let uh, clear the room about this, that most of the people who are in gaming are ADHD or has some kind of... <laughs> <laughs> I had a, a mom come to me in an open house at one of the schools I was teaching and she said, uh, I need to talk to you about my son. And the son was upset that she's going to bring this up to me. And she says, well, my son has ADHD. I said, ma'am, you see everybody in this room, include myself. We all ADHD. So he's in the right <laughs> place. So. <laughs> so is there a difference? Um, are all courses the same? So, for example, a course offered in a school versus I see these. Hey, there's a free coding class. Sign up for this free coding class versus coding clubs. Um, and you can go to, you know, I see I, on the highway right now, I see, you know, buildings now with, you know, code, codes are us, you know, um, <laughs> I don't know, I'm picking it up, but uh, where you have to pay, um, is there a difference between the different, you know, um, you know, the classroom versus the free online versus the paid online versus the going somewhere to a physical location? Um, does it matter? Um, okay, so here, here's what I would say, um, David, there, there is a difference. Um, you know, school programs are looking at the academic, you know, um, purpose for why they're doing, why they are doing coding. And so they're going to be limited to a lot of, um, you know, restrictions that can, that you can actually do with coding, but you're going to find that one teacher that can be able to stretch it out. Like that's the best teacher in the world when you can find that person. But some of your outside coding just pave what you do in, in school just paves the way for what you can do outside of the classroom. And okay. so it, it's really about the opportunity. If I'm a student in school and I can't afford programs outside, then the school is my opportunity to get that exposure. So it is important that they have that in school so that they can be exposed to it and you don't have to worry about those inequities, right? Mm -hmm. um, but however, when you get ready to go out and, and you have to pay programs somewhere between, you know, from 50 to $150 per session, right, it, it gets a little expensive. And some parents just can't really be able to afford that. So I praise and congratulate schools that want to add that component to their, their program so that children that are in non-representative areas can still get exposure, just like any other child that has all the wealth in the world that could be able to go and get these courses. Mm -hmm. I would say manage your expectations for uh, what you're going to get and kind of um, ask questions um, because the courses may not, you know, you said 
in an academic situation, they're required to add in things like, um, you know, your digital footprint and, and, um, you know, safety online and things like that. And they may spend more time on that than they actually do on the coding part. So just kind of ask questions and find out what it is that the course is actually going to, um, to, um, accomplish. And I have to go back to Dr. Payton, and it depends on the program and what the uh, ultimate goal of that program. Our program is to get kids to be learned how to code for gaming, to get jobs in the gaming industry. And I know that maybe a lot of her students te uh, teaching them HTML TML is more about being web design. So it depends on where you want your kid to go and what they're interested in. And just ask them, like you say, ask those questions of what their program is teaching. Hey, you know, an app design too. That, yeah, you know, um, app, apps are really big right now for TVs, for your phone. I mean, all of that. And what kind of what kind of programs or languages do you learn for app design, or is it a lot of different? Does it depend? <laughs> a lot of things depend. So sometimes it can be. It's really based on the platform that you're going to be using, um, like. Uh, Apple and Samsung, they all have different platforms. So you've got to really learn their way when you're designing an app mm -hmm. um, and use their, their platform and, you know, and their, their actual code language to be able to host your, your app there. Um, but for the most part, there's, there's some programs like code.org has a really great, you know, um, app tutorial that just gives you like a starter app um, to use, but you can't, if you want to go and publish it, you really have to take it in. You, you have to go in deeper with it. Mm -hmm. um, so, so yeah, uh, or publish it in one of those apps on your phone. That's where I'm getting at. Mm -hmm. um, but you can still publish it from uh, code.org. It just won't function the way you'd like it to on your phone or, or iPad or something like that. You've got to really go and have it um, configured. And, uh, that's why one of the reasons we use Unity because Unity is compatible with console, so PlayStation, Xbox, it's compatible with all the phone, uh, different iOS, uh, you know, Android. So that's why we use the Unity game engine because it is compatible with every, almost every platform that's out there. And that's again, coding in C-sharp. I have another question. Um, sure. So as uh, students get older and go deeper into it, and let's say, hmm, you know what, this is really interesting and I want to study this more in college. Uh, what what type of fields, what type of majors would allow them to really, really go deep and really become experts uh, in these fields? Uh, go to a school that's computer uh, education, uh, computer uh, engineering, where they teach computing. Mostly C++ is one of the biggest coding uh, programs that's used out there, C++. So... I would say uh, engineering school, places like DePaul, uh, MIT, ITT, those are the schools that you want to go to that really get in depth into uh, coding. And there's where it lies where they need to really know math at that point because it, <laughs> a lot of math algorithms and geometry, all that stuff come into play uh, when you want to get into really getting that type of deep code. Wow, I know from my uh, from my neck of the woods. I'm, I'm from Pittsburgh, and I know uh, Carnegie Mellon University is another uh, school that's really uh, big in you know this field as well. Um, so, but because uh, I know that there may be people that do study this more in depth, and and so um, 
um, it's just interesting to find out, you know, how you know how deep can they go with this? I'm sure you can even go up to the doctoral level. I'm assuming uh, with with these fields. Um, yes, you can because you know I am still. I mean, even in my field and my background and talking to a lot of people, I am finding out a lot of various career fields that they are doing uh, not only. Um, web building or gaming, they're also using some of this coding in uh, building infrastructures and stuff like that. Um, you know, working with implementing and revamping uh, CAD for architecture. So it, you know, that it, it's, it's almost endless because look at everything that we do yeah. every day. Uh, codes are, I mean, everything is, is coded or apt or you're right about that games it just depends on what you know it's out there but yeah those big schools with uh computer science computer engineering uh and uh, those backgrounds are going to be the schools that they're going to want to go to but look at a school and see if they have what you are interested in just because they have engineering they may not have the type that you're looking for. So you got to do your research. Right. You know, most of the times software engineers are usually, you know, where most engineer programs, programmers start off and then they can be able to branch off into, you know, different, um, different areas. But when you, you know, Daryl is right. When you go to these programs, a lot of math is going to be, you know, part of it, right? But the good part about the math in college versus the, that in high school is that there's a real world application that you're able to explore with that math. So it's not just this, you know, math and fractions you're going to learn and you think, oh, I'm never going to use that. No. In, the, you know, when you're in college and you're doing that kind of math, you're absolutely going to use it. You're going to see it a bunch of times. There's going to be this opportunity to just kind of build on top of that knowledge. And it's going to make sense when you're in that age range versus when you're in school and you're like, I'm going to use this math, you know. So um, it all starts to come together when you when you do the math in college that you're really going to need for all of this when you get there. Dr. D, I'm, I'm, I'm a little salty about what you just said, just because you haven't taken my, my math class. If you're in my math class, I do a lot of applications in my math class because I was the one that didn't get it when I was in school. So I miss, I miss repetition. You know, hey, look, with the exception of you, David. You <laughs> Thank <know>. you. Yes. <laughs> Everybody but David Earl Bailey. <laughs> What's your, my middle name in that Oh, well, it's, it's David Earl. I like your middle name. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. So if I'm a parent whose child has not yet gotten into coding and, you know, Dr. G, you mentioned so many great benefits for coding and learning those sort of skills. What are some of the online resources before I sign my child up for a coding class and they may not even like it? You, We've talked about Scratch. We've talked about um, coding.org. What are some of the other things that I might um, utilize in order to kind of get their feet wet and see if they have an interest? You know, I would always start with, um, you know, programs online. I mean, I know that there's there's a ton of them. Khan Academy has, you know, programming that you can do. These are all free, obviously. Start with the free stuff. See what their interest, you know, um, their interest is. Because you don't want to pay for something and they don't like it. <laughs> you know, sure I mean, don't. literally this stuff can get very expensive in taxes. Um, but um, I would suggest you guys try to do it as a family. Because if you as a parent 
get engaged in what they're trying to do, chances are you get to kind of see what the stress level is and how much you think they need guidance on. And then you can guide them along the way. And then they don't get frustrated and want to quit on it. Mm -hmm. Um, that, that, and if you demonstrate patience, then they'll also demonstrate that same patience. I mean, where do kids get everything from? They get it from, you know, watching us do it. Right. So if y'all do it together, it's a great introduction into doing the coding. It doesn't matter their age, just jump in and and try to do it. Allow them to laugh at you. If you get it wrong, that's (laughs) the whole purpose of this, right. Um, is that we are not experts at this. If we were, we wouldn't be having this talk show. We'd all be making, you know, money. Right. Right. (laughs) So, I'm saying, you know, that partnership goes hand in hand. And that's where they get their first lessons on how to work with others, how to get others to understand what they're going through and kind of have that correlation. Right. Um, So that I would suggest doing it that way together if you're going to do it and researching this stuff together. Don't do it by yourself. Like Mm -hmm. allow the kid to get in and do it themselves. Mm -hmm. And I want to caveat off of that because I've been in the classroom these these past year. Uh, with our COVID situation and teaching coding uh, like we're on this Zoom call. And I would have parents, you know, oh, can you show us how to do this? Can you show us how to do that? Really? To do this. And also finding those programs that build up on things. Like, um, Danita, we were talking the other night with the elementary program. I didn't even, I didn't even really show you. I mean, I just barely scratched the surface. But once you get into that, you get to using algorithms, you get to using a lot of mathematics. Uh, Like uh, when we did the animation of the little character, he's got to move 150 pixels. How far would 150 pixels get you to go? You know, that kind of thing. It, it, It builds up on that. You can make words rotate, back up, fade out. But you want something that, no matter how much it costs or how little it or if it was free, can it build on that child's imagination? Can it build on your imagination? Hmm. So, okay. And, and what's I'm that? On my soapbox. I'm no, that's why you, that's why I invited you, Dr. Mary. So what is that? Education what.com or? Elementary or, okay. with an I at the end. It's elementary OI. Elementary.oi. Okay. And that is a program that I use. uh, That is a young lady out of MIT. She lives in France now. And uh, her, you can get an individual, um, uh, an individual uh, login Mm -hmm. for free. You don't have to pay for it. Mm -hmm. Uh, As a teacher, I paid for it. It was $29 a month. And I could have up to 150 kids on there. Um, so it took care of all of my classes. But, you know, I got a little bit more with that. And I was able to set up classrooms and stuff like that. But, uh, yeah. All right. It's, it's being in whatever program you get. Can you build on it? Can you guys tell me about what hourofcode.com is? That's a very fun hour. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it's really, it's, uh, it's, yeah, of coding. <laughs> I mean, like literally uh, my, my son, is, he, he would do it um, every year for an hour of code. You get a great certificate when you're done with it, which is really cool. But um, the challenge is to kind of go beyond an hour, right? Um, it's really about, you know, pushing yourself. And as parents and 
you know, you can go, you can challenge your kid and say, I'm going to get this many, you know, hours of code in. And then they try to top that, you know, it's really this, this, this moment of just, you just working on something until you reach your goal. Um, they're, they're really using more of a project-based kind of a learning. And, and so um, that, and, and also a combination of problem-based learning, right? So you, you, they may give you scenarios and they ask you to try to code through those kind of scenarios. So it's really great challenge. Um, it's a lot of fun. I, I encourage parents to, you know, get engaged with that. You won't mess it up. Uh, just go and do it and have a good time with it, you know. Um, uh, but yeah, you, they'll, they'll really love it. It's a great opportunity. And then you can flash your certificates as a badge of honor. <laughs> and this is the easy kind of coding, like the block coding, visual block coding. I went and looked at um, one of the lessons or projects that they had, and it was something like you have to... Um, code for the guy to go um uh rescue the damsel in distress and then when he gets in there he's got to change something and then you know they give you all the steps of everything that you've got to do and then you've got to go in and figure out how to do it so it really seemed very cool could you guys talk about the education minecraft world and what because it seemed like it's you know on all of the devices now the schools have and but i have no idea what know what can be done with it can you guys elaborate on that and it's really like a starter um you know a starter game for kids to get you know get excited about coding so it's very simplistic in how you use it and um it, but it's a it's a great starter tool for those that are interested in you know if you're trying to get kids interested in it so um i believe that's why the schools choose it because it doesn't require a whole lot of you know um I would say deep instruction. It's really about them just exploring it and 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 doing things with that program. Uh, anything they want to do. I've seen kids build houses and towns and you know and have battles and all kinds of stuff with it. It's it's crazy, um, but it's really cool. Yeah, our children are always bragging to us about the mansions. They're like, "Look how rich we look <laughs> in your Minecraft world." <laughs> is is it something that parents can jump into to help them with, or does it need a like? Is it more um, led like school based led and you know the kids are doing it as assignments and things like that is it something that the parents can like could I jump in and help my child with coding in education minecraft the the thing about coding is um is to not interrupt their innovation mm. okay like we as parents want to get in and try to you know <laughs> Um, Put it over there. Know, get it. Yeah, <laughs> we want to get in and we want to do it for them. But to be honest with you, let them go and let them fly because their innovation will come out in how they code. Right? Mm. Um, they're gonna they're gonna take these steps one way and then go another way, and it's just gonna come out to something you know beautiful in the end that they 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 would be proud of. Um, the, the less you kind of guide that process and be the cheerleader, the better. Right. So if, if you're more the cheerleader, you're more the pushing them, you can do it or, you know, and praising them along, then that's great. You don't want to stifle their, um, their creativity and innovation when it comes to it. But it's only, but if they ask you and they need help, then yeah, jump in. But it, the, the less you guide them, the, the better the results. Yeah, we might should have and asked. Found, um, oh, and ahead. I found out a lot of times that a lot of these parents don't know much as these kids. So 
I would say uh, let them find the tutorials, help them look up the tutorials that will help them with that. But yeah, a lot of times these, these kids are more smarter about this coding than the parents are. Oh, oh absolutely. See, you, know, you said it. I wasn't going to even say that. I was just trying to be nice about it. <laughs> <laughs> you, said, you said what we won. I wasn't trying to say. <laughs> we should have asked our kids to be on the show for this part. So cause... basically, Doctor, you're saying no because you don't know what you're doing. You'll mess them up. And so let them do their thing and you just guide them to the resources they need to do what they do best because you idiot don't know what you're doing, basically. Well, she didn't call well, you. We, we, we're not gonna call a parents idiot. <laughs> no, I'm but talking about me. Let, 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 let me back because you know I'm a woman of a certain age. So <laughs> let me let me let me back this thing up just just a minute. I mean, you give it to the kids and it you know, I have friends who bought their kids these STEM toys, and I'll go over to the house three months later. The toys have never been opened. The robots have never been built. And they're like, well, they'll break it. Yeah. yeah. They'll break it. And I have two children who, who are adults now, but we broke a whole lot of stuff. A whole lot of stuff. Who cares? <laughs> You didn't buy it to leave it in a box. And it's the same thing with coding. Uh, If they don't make a mistake, they can't fix a mistake and they can't ask for help. Coding opens up so much communication with kids. I mean, I'll have 15 kids online at one time and one of them I have a problem and you can see the chat uh, on our Zoom calls just, just, you know, get filled. Did you try this? Did you try that? Here's a link to fix that. It's communication. Mm-hmm. Let They can't break, I mean, unless they fail their computer, they can't <laughs> break, uh, well, they can break a code. That's why we have whatever. But anyway, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Yes. They can't <laughs> ruin it. It can it. be fixed. It can be fixed. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, one of the things I love about um, education Minecraft, or I'm starting to love, is all my kids go into each other's worlds and then they're bragging about the towns that they've built or the house that they built. And I know it has pushed our eight-year-old to try to catch up to what the 10-year-old and the 12-year-olds are doing um, just by what going into their worlds and saying, oh, okay, you can do all of this. It really is very collaborative and competitive. And there's a lot of really good things about um, that game in particular. All right. Well, um, I would love to know how our um, listeners can find out more about what you guys do. You guys all have uh, different ways that you are working with kids and coding. So if you could give us your websites um, so that we can make sure that they have that information. Start with Dr. Mary. You're on mute. (laughs) I can't be on mute. No problem. I told you. Uh, There are a couple of ways. One is uh, I have a radio show called All About STEM Radio Show, whereas you will learn a lot more about uh, different STEM fields, different careers uh, from people in STEM. And also my um, website is STEM STEM ADV for STEM Adventures. because I have uh, books on t- called Taylor STEM Adventures, which take kids on adv- actual adventures that your students can go through and go on 
Uh, I have one for Texas and one for Hawaii. I'm getting ready to put together a uh, animated series uh, with elementary for science where the kids can go in and do science breakout rooms and they'll be also placed on STEM Adventures website. All right. And Dr. G? So um, the YMCA is um, beginning to start uh, to integrate more STEM throughout their programs. We have Imagine Science in our programs um, that, that work a lot with our younger um, students. But um, when I say we're integrating STEM, I'm talking we're integrating STEM through our seniors. We're offering cybersecurity courses um, that people can get certifications for uh, and start a new career. We're offering, um, you know, all types of multimedia um, you know, opportunities with film and, and we're doing it with a lot of our um, STEM ecosystem collaborative partners um, in the Metroplex of, of Dallas. And so if you want to learn more about some of the stuff that we're doing or getting involved, you would just go to the YMCADallas.org um, backslash. You can uh, look up STEM on online and it'll just kind of show you a lot of the things that we're, we're offering and that we're building. And now one of the things that we think will be great for the summer that we're putting together is our drone tournaments. Mm. And these are going to be indoors so that they can be able to, you know, have a real competition. The best part about these drone tournaments is that it was designed, the courses are designed by kids. So they have designed that, they picked the materials mm. for all of this. And so it's really a kid driven kind of a program. So really hope that um, we can start adding more STEM components um, to all of our programs. And, uh, and thank you guys so much for having me on today. I really appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for coming. Absolutely. And uh, Daryl Hughes, how can we find you? You can find us at HughesWhoTechStudio.org. And uh, if you go to our website, you can actually see videos of some of our workshops we've done with kids. We do animation workshops, teaching them about 2D and 3D stop motion animation. Also, uh, we teach game design. So students can go on there and learn how to uh, design a game. And then from there, we take it over to a game program where they can actually build a game. So uh, we offer that. And then our apprenticeship program, again, we uh, work with an organization on the south side of Chicago doing a nine month program where we teach entrepreneurship we teach game design, we teach game art, we teach game programming. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and after that, they start to go uh, work as a team uh, to build a game. So they take all of those careers that we teach them and they come together as one team to build a game. So uh, that's where they can find us and they can contact us through our website and uh, we get back in touch with them. So we're looking for a lot of organizations. We've done a lot of work uh, here in the uh, Chicago area uh, with the city of Chicago. We've done it with uh, the uh, NAACP here in Chicago area. Uh, we worked with Illinois Math and Science Academy. Uh, Academy. They're the number one high school in Chicago and in, in Illinois and number two in the United States. So we are working with a lot of, you know, uh, programs, STEM programs, and we can do virtual uh, programs and we are working, looking to do, uh, migrate our stuff even to California. All right. Love that. Oh, good. Mo moving so, and grooving. Yeah. All right. Well, again, thank you guys so much. We are unfortunately out of time, but you guys have, have given us a whole lot of information. I feel like I'm a little smarter about coding than I was before we started. So thank I'm gonna you. I'm going to build an app. What'd you say? I'm going to go build an app now. <laughs> you are. Okay. 
I am. For, you, for, I oh, wanna, really? I've, I've thought about building one for, for dog and educational coaching for a while. Hmm. I didn't have a clue how to do it, and it just scared me, so I never tried. But now I feel like I can. I, I can. I can do. I can do all something. All these now. experts that can yes. give you tips. Yeah. All right. Well, <laughs> the Noggin Educational Coaching app is coming soon. Okay. <laughs> so, can I ask David one question? Absolutely. So, after hearing all this information we gave you, so uh, what program are you going to use to build your app in? What code? <laughs> um, Fortran. <laughs> Fortran. <laughs> You know, no, I'll I go thought back. he was going to say the snake one. Okay. I thought uh, he was going to say oh, Python, isn't yeah. that the right answer? Snake code. Isn't it Python? Yeah. Well, no, I'm going to bust out my, here it goes, I'm dating myself. Now I'm going to bust out my old Commodore VIC-20 computer. What oh, you know God. about that? <laughs> Commodore VIC-20 computer, and I'm going to program my app on that. What you know about that? I'm pretty sure you're not. <laughs> David, forget, I was around when Ada came out. And if anybody knows what Ada is, no. that lets you know. I have really dated myself. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I worked in DOS, so I know. Uh-huh. <laughs> I don't know about that. I was that, in yeah. DOS too, and that, that Lincoln, you know, square, and you're like, get to the letter already, you know, like you would have typed three thousand letters, and it took forever for it to pop up. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, they're all reminiscing back on 1981, 79 program right now. <laughs> Gone back to hidden figures here. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you again, everyone. This was fun. So Noggin Educational Foundation is the premier sponsor of School Days. So we always want to let you guys know what's happening with Noggin. We're currently taking applications for two of our programs. Noggin offers 12 hours of free private tutoring to students through our educational coaching program. Also through our ARD advocacy program, parents receive support in securing services and accommodations their kids need at school for learning disabilities and special needs. With the closure of schools and distance learning, the education gap for low-income students has widened and the one-on-one intervention we provide is vital. So see our website, nogginfoundation.org, or email me at donita, D-O-N-E-D-A, at nogginfoundation.org for more details. And as always, you can head to our website, schooldaysshow.com, for more information about all that we're doing and all of the resources that we mentioned here on School Days. And remember, you don't ever have to miss a show. Find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Pandora, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, Audible, and pretty much anywhere you listen to your favorite podcasts. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Noggin Foundation. That's N-O-G-G-I-N. And last but never least, David and I like to end the show by saying that we are parenting by grace. Especially during this episode, we were parenting by grace, weren't we? (laughs) We we depend on God to give us the wisdom and strength we need to raise our kids into flourishing adults. And if you would like to know more about that, please feel free to email me at uh, info at schooldazedshow.com. Have a great week and stay safe. School Dazed is sponsored by Noggin Educational Foundation. At Noggin, we provide free educational resources to students from low-income families and support to their parents like the preceding broadcast. School Days is made possible by the generosity of listeners just like you. Please consider donating to Noggin at Noggin, N-O-G-G-I-N, foundation.org.